It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Day 22, Assessing Compliance Internal Controls. One of the specific requirements laid out in the 2017 guidance is around internal controls and more specifically internal control testing. It stated, control testing. Has the company reviewed and audited its compliance program in the area of relating to the misconduct? More generally, what testing of controls, collection, and analysis of compliance data and interviews of employees and third parties does the company undertake? How are the results reported and action items tracked? Fortunately, COSO 2013 Internal Controls Frameworks considers assessing compliance internal controls. COSO laid out its views on assessing the effectiveness of compliance controls in its integrated framework book. It noted that an effective system of internal controls provides reasonable assurance of the achievements of the entity's objectives relating to the operations reporting and compliance. Moreover, there are two overarching requirements that can only be met through such a structured protocol. First, each of the five components are present and functioning. Second, that the five components operate in an integrated fashion with each other. One of the most critical components of the COSO framework is that it sets internal control standards against those who you can audit to assess the strength of your compliance internal controls. As the 2013 internal controls framework was designed to apply to a wider variety of corporate entities, your audit should be designed to test your compliance internal controls. This means if you have a multi-country or business unit organization, you need to determine how your compliance internal controls are interrelated up and down the organization. The illustrative guide also realizes that smaller companies may have less formal structures in place throughout the organization. Your auditing can and should reflect this business reality. Finally, if your company relies heavily on technology for your compliance function, you can leverage that technology to support your ongoing assessment and evaluation program going forward. The Illustrative Guide suggests a four-pronged approach in your assessment. Number one, make an overall assessment of your company's system-wide compliance internal controls. This should include an analysis of whether the components and relevant principles is present and functioning and the components are operating in an integrated manner. Two, there should be a compliance, excuse me, a component evaluation. Here you need to deeply evaluate any deficiencies that may turn up and whether or not there are any compensated controls in place. Three, assessment. See whether each principle of your compliance internal controls is present and functioning. The task here is to determine if the deficiency exists, and so what is the severity of the deficiency? Four, summarization. Finally, you should log all of your internal control deficiencies so that it can be addressed on a structured basis. Another way to think through this approach is through a component evaluation which rolls up the results of the component's principle evaluations and allows reevaluation of the severity of any deficiency in your compensating controls. Lastly, an overall effectiveness assessment that would look at whether the controls are operating together in an integrated manner by evaluating any internal control deficiencies aggregate to the deficient majority. This type of process would then lend itself to an ongoing evaluation so that if the business models, laws, fault, or regulations changes, you can assess your internal controls <clears throat> In the, and adjust as necessary. The illustrative guide spends a fair amount of time discussing deficiencies. Initially, it 
defines an internal control deficiency as a shortcoming in a component or components in relevant principles that reduces the likelihood of an entity achieving its objectives. A major deficiency is an internal control deficiency or combined combination of deficiencies that severely reduces the likelihood that an entity can achieve its objectives. Having a major deficiency is a significant issue because when a majority Rather, when a major deficiency exists, the organization cannot conclude it has met its requirements for an effective system of internal controls. In other words, that's an FCPA violation. Under a compliance regime, you may be faced with known or relevant criteria to classify any deficiency. Objective criteria such as written policies and categories laid out in the 2012 FCPA guidance include payments to foreign officials, use of third parties, gifts, travel, and entertainment expenses, charitable and political donations, facilitating and expediting payments. These all should be present. If you do not have such controls in place, it would preclude management from concluding that the entity has met the requirement for effective internal controls in accordance with the COSO framework. Fortunately, such a standard is easily met. However, if there are no objective criteria, such as those laid out in the original uh, 2012 FCPA guidance and brought forward in the 2019 guidance to evaluate your compliance internal controls, what should you t- steps should you take? The illustrative guide says that a business senior management with appropriate board oversight may establish objective criteria for evaluation of internal control deficiencies and for how deficiencies should be reported to those together. A more appropriate auditing boundary set by either established law, regulation, or standard or through the management management exercising, exercising its judgments, you can then make a full determination of whether the components and relevant principles are present and functioning. The illustrative guide has a useful set of templates that can serve as a basis for your reporting results. They are specifically designed to support an assessment of an effective compliance system of compliance internal controls and help document such an assessment. Documentation is critical in any best practices compliance program or anti-bribery compliance program. With the illustrative guide, COSO has given the compliance practitioner a very useful roadmap to begin your analysis into your company's internal compliance controls. When the SEC comes knocking, this is precisely the type of evidence they will be looking for to evaluate if it your company has met its obligations under the FCPA internal controls provisions. So what are today's three key takeaways? An effective system of internal control provides reasonable assurance of achievement of the company's objectives relating to reporting and compliance and operations. Number two, there are two overarching requirements for effective internal controls. First, each of the five components are present and functioning. Second, that there are five components operating together in an integrated approach. Three, for any anti-corruption compliance program, you can use the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program as a guide to test against. And it's something the Securities and Exchange Commission will obviously pay attention to. Thank you for listening to day 22 of 31 days to a more effective compliance program. I hope you will join me again tomorrow and I take up another strategy, tactic, or pointer that you can use in your compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>